This morning we're going to be in the New Testament, in the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 1. We're going to read two verses, but uh, one verse will be our text verse this morning. We're going to read verses, uh, 1 Peter chapter number 1, verses 7 and 8. 1 Peter chapter number 1, verses 7 and 8. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now verse 8 will be our text. Whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing... Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The title of the message this morning is Sight Unseen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We are thankful for another day to worship you in your house. We pray that you would meet with your people, show your presence to us, meet with us. Lord, help us to draw closer to you and to the Lord Jesus Christ and By your Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd lead, guide, direct, exalt yourself. Lord, teach us what you want us to be taught. And Lord, today, help us to be thankful for the love and faith that we have that is a result of your workings by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, may we have more love to you, more faith in you. And Lord, may that result in our lives with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Accomplish your own will. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Sight unseen. Manti Teo was an All-American linebacker for the Notre Dame football team from 2009 to 2012. He was a great player, but sadly that is not what he's known best for. What he's known best for was chronicled in the recent Netflix documentary, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. Teo fell victim to a catfishing scheme and fell in love with a woman that he'd never met or never seen. He had faith that this picture that he saw online and this voice that he thought he was talking to was who she said she was. Well, in reality, it wasn't even a she, but you can look at that on your own. The point is that Manti Teo fell in love, sight unseen. Well, it didn't work out too well for Manti. But we as believers, as Christians, we have all fallen in love, sight unseen. We love the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we've never seen with physical eyes. We have faith in Christ, though we've never seen Him. Peter is writing to Christians. And the book of 1 Peter is directed, as we find in verse number 1, to the strangers scattered throughout various locations. He describes these as the elect of God. These are saved individuals, I believe, comprising of uh, Jews and Gentiles. And he is writing to them to let them know that, yep, in this life they're going to have some trials and tribulations. Their faith is going to be severely tested. 
but he is solidifying and bolstering their love and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, somebody whom they'd never seen, sight unseen. We must embrace what Peter's message is. We must embrace living sight unseen. Today I want us to focus on Peter's words simply in verse number 8 to these believers scattered throughout the region. And I want us to consider that Peter endorses three parts to living sight unseen. They're all here in verse number 8. The first part, our love to Jesus is sight unseen. The second part, our faith in Jesus is sight unseen. And then the third part, this love and faith produces in us joy unspeakable. Three parts to Peter's message as he endorses living sight unseen. Note the first part here in verse number 8. Our love to Jesus is sight unseen. What does Peter write? He writes, and clearly he's referring, and that's why we read verse number 8, to gain the context. Clearly when Peter writes whom, he is referring to Jesus Christ from verse number 7. And Peter, Peter writes, Whom having not seen ye love. Peter is saying that these Christians who were scattered throughout these different regions they had never lived in the place where Jesus Christ physically walked on this earth, and they had not seen him with their physical eyes. They had never laid eyes on Jesus. They had not physically seen Jesus, whom having not seen, ye love. The first part of Peter's endorsement to living sight unseen is that our love to Jesus is sight unseen. Now this might seem rather strange to the world, but it is not at all strange to the Christian. Our love to Jesus is sight unseen. We have never physically seen the Lord Jesus Christ. None of us have laid eyes on the physical body of Christ Jesus. And yet, we love Him, sight unseen. Now, our love to Jesus is sight unseen, because first of all, it is rooted in the Word of God. How do you know that there is a Jesus? How do you know anything about this Jesus? How can we love Jesus whom we have not seen? How can we be assured that we're not falling prey to some grand catfishing scheme like Manti Teo fell prey to? Well, the Bible tells us about Jesus. The Bible shows us Jesus. In fact, that is what the entirety of the Bible is about. From the book of Genesis, beginning of the book of Genesis all the way to the very last chapter in Revelation, Jesus Christ is the theme. Jesus Christ is the subject. Jesus Christ himself during his time here on this earth said the scriptures are about me. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke. A very well-known passage to us. Luke chapter number 24. And as you recall in the book of Luke, after Jesus Christ is, is uh, crucified, after he is murdered and he's 
willingly given his life up to secure the salvation of his sheep, his people, sinners. And uh, we find that there are these two disciples that are walking on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus appears to them, and they're discussing the events that had transpired. And they were rather downtrodden because Jesus had been murdered, and they thought that he was gone, and they'd never see him again. But I want you to notice Luke chapter number 24, as the Lord speaks to them, what he says. In Luke chapter 24, verse number 25. Then then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now stop. What is Jesus laying the foundation to reveal to these two disciples? That the prophets wrote about him. They did not understand what the prophets had written. But beloved, when you read the Old Testament and you read the the major prophets and the minor prophets, and that has to do, of course, only with the size of their writing, you will find that they all wrote about the same topic, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch. Look at verse number 26. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory... Verse 27, and beginning at Moses. Now, who wrote the first five books of Scripture? Moses. So Jesus is going all the way back, and Moses is described as uh, the great prophet, uh, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the great prophet. And so Jesus is going all the way back to Moses in the Scriptures. And what's he doing? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets... He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What is contained in all the scriptures? The story of Jesus. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, who came down to this earth to give his life a ransom, as the scripture says, a ransom for many. The Lord Jesus Christ is... is is dis- he is is discussed at length in the Word of God. How can we love Jesus sight unseen? It is rooted in the Word of God. Jesus is the subject and the topic of the Word of God. In John chapter 5, in verse number 39, Jesus again spoke to unbelieving Jews, and He said what? Search the Scriptures. Well, what are you going to find when you search the Scriptures? Jesus. Search the Scriptures, for in them, the Scriptures, ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. I love what Spurgeon wrote in reference to this verse. Spurgeon wrote, No more powerful motive can be urged upon Bible readers than this. He who finds Jesus finds life, heaven, all things. Happy he who searching the Bible discovers his Savior. And that is what the Bible is about. Our love to Jesus is sight unseen. We love him. He is he is is, is secondly revealed, his wonder is revealed in God's Word. How do you know there's a Jesus? The Word of God. Why do you love Jesus? Because the Bible reveals the wonder of Jesus. Not only is our love to Jesus 
rooted in the Word of God, but the Word of God reveals the wonder of Jesus. Now, let me ask you this. Once seen in Scripture, how can you not love Jesus? Look, there are just some people on this earth that that are lovable people. There are some people on this earth that are so kind and compassionate and put the needs of others first that you can't help but be drawn to them. And I, I say this in, a, in, a, in the right way. They are good people. Now, I'm not talking about their spiritual condition before the Lord. I'm just talking about the fact that they are benevolent people. When you need a kind word, that person's there to lift you up. When you need a buck to do this or that, that person is ready to give you the shirt off of their back. They live their lives for the fulfillment of others. They are good people and you are drawn to them. How can you not love somebody like that? And yet you know there are people that have problems with people like that. But how can you not love Jesus? How is Jesus portrayed in Scripture? He's kind. He's compassionate. He's loving. He's loyal. He reaches out to the lowest on earth that no one even cares to give a second thought about. Jesus Christ is the one who reaches out to all those that are in need and says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is Jesus. Do a, a, a search with your Bible program on your computer and find out how many times in the Gospels Jesus is, is recorded having been moved with compassion toward the plight of those that needed healing and that were sick or whatever their lot was, Jesus was there to assist them. Turn with me in the book of Luke to Luke chapter number 4. The Bible reveals the wonders of Jesus. We're talking about our love to Jesus as sight unseen. It is rooted in the Word of God. That is, our love is rooted in the Word of God. The Word of God reveals the wonders of Jesus. How can you not love Jesus. Notice Luke chapter number 4, verse number 17. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 17. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. This is Jesus reading Isaiah chapter 61 in the synagogue. And, and he is reciting by reading the Holy Scriptures. And again, what do the Scriptures testify of? Him. And He is saying to them that He is the Messiah who has come to fulfill this. This is what He is doing on the earth at that time. What was He doing? He was preaching the Gospel to the poor. He was healing the brokenhearted. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised. Then skip down to verse number 21. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. How can you not love Jesus? 
who preached the gospel to the poor, who healed the brokenhearted, who preached deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus' message was a message of hope. The Bible reveals the wonders of Jesus. And I'm going to just read a couple other verses here. You'll not have time to turn to them, but you can jot them down. In Luke chapter 9 and verse number 56, Jesus says, For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. In in John chapter 10 and verse number 10, the Bible reads, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, Jesus, am come that they might have life and then they might have it more abundantly. Jesus ate with publicans and sinners. Jesus defended the woman who was taken in adultery and shamed scornfully, by, might I add, by those that thought that they were somehow better than her. Jesus gave His life for sinners who would become His sheep. Is it really a stretch to think that our love for Jesus is sight unseen? When you read about this person, how can you not love Him? How can your heart not be drawn to Jesus? In the biblical illustrator, a preacher by the name of Hayward wrote this, The Christian loves an unseen Jesus because of the excellencies which he, Jesus, possesses. Whatever excellency is in the creature may be found in the highest perfection in Jesus Christ, for he inherits all true perfection. And isn't it true? We could this morning, and I, I specifically chose not to look at those verses that talk about God being invisible and Jesus Christ being the image of the invisible God because I wanted to stay on, on task and talk about our love to Jesus sight unseen. But you understand that when we love Jesus, we love God. And, and, and of course, uh, we see that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of the invisible God. He is the true perfection of the Godhead. There can be no imperfection in God. And so, our love to Jesus is sight unseen. It is rooted in the Word of God, and the Word of God reveals the wonders of who Jesus is. The second part of Peter's message to these strangers, these Christians that were, that were, that were scattered abroad, in the region, as he as he uh, emboldens them and bolsters them in their faith, he says that our faith in Jesus is sight unseen. Our love to Jesus is sight unseen. And in First Peter chapter one and verse number eight, whom having not seen, ye love. But notice the second part. In whom, though now ye see him not yet believing. So Peter writes that our faith in Jesus is also sight unseen. Not only is our love to Jesus sight unseen, but our faith in Jesus is sight unseen. Now they had not seen Jesus in the past and they did not currently see Jesus. Notice, he says, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing. So though they could not with their physical eyes see Jesus, they not only loved Him, but they had faith in Him. They believed Jesus. They believed on Jesus. They trusted in and on Jesus. Now, let's spend just a few moments 
discussing how that our faith in Jesus is sight unseen. It is this way, of course, because it is the essence of faith that it be sight unseen. In other words, faith is going to be faith in that which is sight unseen. What is faith? We somehow, and I think sometimes unnecessarily so, cloud issues with all sorts of long theological definitions. And, and, and don't get me wrong, it's good to be a student of theology. And yet sometimes there are very simple definitions and explanations that we ought to feast upon to help us in our walk with the Lord. What is faith? Faith is a genuine reliance on and a trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what faith is. It is a genuine reliance on and a trust in Jesus Christ. Not only for salvation, but for everyday living. We, we have a genuine reliance on Jesus and we trust in Jesus. Not only that He has saved our souls and will deliver us, read John chapter number 6, but that He will take care of us during our earthly walk until He takes us out of this life. Now we're talking about the fact that Peter gives us the second part in, in his giving forth the message of sight unseen, living sight unseen to these Christians, and he says our faith in Jesus is sight unseen. And we're making the point that it must be so because that is the essence of faith. What did Paul write to the Hebrew believers? In Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what? Things not seen. The word evidence, and of course in, in, in my secular profession, I love the word evidence, and I love looking at evidence. Well, some evidence I don't like looking at, but you, you get what I'm saying. But, you know, it, it, Brother uh, Sitters down in Mississippi, he's invited me to speak at their Bible conference at the end of April, and he said, Brother, I, I think I told you this. I'd like you to preach a message on, on, on how we know the truth, and I'd like for you to work in uh, your, your secular profession, you know, and I've been thinking about that and ruminating on that for about a month and a half now. And you know what I look at when I get an application to charge somebody? Just yesterday I spent a, you know, a little less than an hour on the phone talking with our weekend warrant person. They had a shootout in Cahokia Heights on Friday night. And I'm discussing this and we got the Illinois State Police special agent that worked the case. We got uh, our weekend warrant assistant state's attorney and we're talking about what are we talking about? Evidence. Yeah, I know this person said this person did this, but where's the evidence? The word evidence in Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 1 literally means a proof or that by which a thing is proved or tested. That's what the word means. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here's what Brother Gill wrote about the evidence in faith. He writes, the, the evidence of faith of things past, of what was done in eternity, in the counsel and covenant of grace and peace, of what has been in time, 
in creation and providence of the birth, miracles, sufferings, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ, of things present, the being, perfections, love of God, of the session of Christ at God's right hand and His continual intercession, and of the various blessings of grace revealed in the gospel, and of future ones as the invisible realities of another world, faith has both certainty and evidence in it. Now, all of the items that I read that Gill described, can you tell me that you've physically seen any of them? You haven't. You haven't physically seen them with your eyes. But they're true. And faith is the evidence of that. And so, our faith in Jesus Christ is sight unseen. It is the essence of faith. But our faith in Jesus Christ, as being sight unseen is extolled by the Lord. It is lifted up by the Lord. In fact, think about this. Jesus actually goes out of His way to place in Scripture a commendation to those who believe without seeing. Because, beloved, in our Bible, in the New Testament, there are many, many who believed and had seen. The apostles had seen Christ. In fact, go back to the qualifications of being an apostle, right? They had seen Christ, and they believed. But then there are those who are other sheep, Jesus spoke about in John 10, who have not physically seen and have believed. And we're talking about Jesus extolling those who have faith in Jesus, sight unseen. Jesus commends those who believe without seeing. You remember the account. Of course you do. It's in John chapter number 20. John chapter number 20. This individual by the name of Thomas. And he's been, uh, he's, he's become known as Doubting Thomas. But I want you to notice Thomas in John chapter number 20, verses 25 through 29. In John chapter 20, verses 25 through 29. Actually, let's read verse 24 as well to gain the context. This is immediately after the Lord had appeared to the disciples. Uh, and notice verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. What is Thomas saying? He's saying that he needs to see to believe. You ever hear that phrase, seeing is believing? Hey, listen, we're talking about having faith in Jesus Christ, sight unseen. And Thomas says, well, you know what? If I get to see like you guys saw, then I'll believe. Watch, read on. Verse 26, And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then in came Jesus, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. What is the implication? The implication is that you have to, if you have to see to believe, that is called being faithless. It's the absence of faith. But notice verse number 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast, what? Seen me, thou hast believed. 
Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus is extolling faith in Him, sight unseen. You know, there are a lot of people that say, Oh, well, if I could see Jesus with my own physical eyes and I know would know that He actually exists, then I would believe. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But Jesus says that He commends those who have not seen and believed. They have faith. Jesus commends those who believe without seeing. And He extols, he extols this because, because sight, sight does not confirm that there will be belief. It does not confirm that there will be belief. Some say, oh, if I could just see Jesus with my physical eyes, I would believe, and it's a lie. Do you remember in John chapter number 6? Jesus performs the miracle. He feeds these thousands by reproducing uh, just a little uh, few loaves and fishes and so forth. And, uh, and then the people that were there, they wanted to make Jesus their physical king and they said, Lord, evermore give us this bread, meaning we don't really want to have to work. We want you to put us on uh, Messiah welfare. You know, we want you to come and be our king so we don't have to work anymore and we'll have all this provision and supply. And, and what did Jesus say to them as he began to discuss who he was with them? Well, in John 6 and verse number 36, listen to this. John six thirty six. But I said unto you, that ye also have seen me and believe not. Did you get that? Jesus says, you want me to be your king, you've seen me, and yet you don't believe who I really am. I will give you the living bread, that if a man eats of that bread, he'll never perish and he'll never hunger again. And that wasn't the bread that they wanted. They wanted the physical bread. And Jesus says, you have seen me and believe not. Do you know that sight does not confirm that there will be belief? So think about this. You can have sight without belief and sight unseen with belief. This is the miracle of God. This is the workings of God. Our faith in Jesus is sight unseen. It is the essence of faith. It is extolled by the Lord. Sight does not confirm that there will be belief. And you know what? Let me just come a little bit closer. Not physically, of course. Do you know that in our own lives, oftentimes we are given sight by the Lord, not to see the physical body of the Lord Jesus Christ, but He makes it clearly evident that this is Him working. And what do we do? We don't believe. We worry, we fret, we so I gotta hold on to this with all my might because if I if I do this then I won't have enough to retire on and I won't have and, and we just worry about everything. Do you know that the disciples, the apostles, had the same issue? After Jesus had had been resurrected from the dead, after he rose from the dead, he appeared to multiple people. And he appeared to to primarily at the beginning women who had gone to the to the to the tomb to minister. And he had appeared unto them. And when these women had gone back to report that they had seen Jesus, what did the spiritual leaders say? They didn't believe them. Listen to this. 
in Matthew, or excuse me, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 14, Mark chapter 16 and verse 14, afterward he, that's Jesus, appeared unto the eleven, those are the apostles, After he, afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Even the best Christian at times. Confronted with sight unseen. Or confronted with the miracles of God that could only be from God. We are upbraided by the Lord for our hardness of heart and unbelief. The second part of Peter's message to these believers is that our faith in Jesus is sight unseen. It is the essence of faith that is extolled by the Lord. And lastly... It is executed here on earth. In other words, there is an outworking of our faith. What did James write? What's the whole book of James about? Faith without works is what? Dead. And James is not writing about saving faith. He is writing about serving faith. And he says if you really are saved, it's going to produce what? Good works. Why did the Lord save us? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10 We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So if there's really faith in Jesus it's going to be manifest and made known by our works. It is executed here on earth. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 is very, very clear. For we walk we walk by faith not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. The fact that our faith in Jesus is sight unseen is going to be executed here on earth. It's going to be carried out and performed here on this earth. If we say that we love Jesus, sight unseen, and we have faith in Jesus, sight unseen, then your life is going to match it. It's not just, a, oh, we're Christians, we're all Christians, we all love the Lord, and then there's no, never any evidence of it. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We don't look at our, our finances and say, well, you know, I, I'm running a little short this month, so I'm not going to tithe. And I'm not going to give offerings above and beyond that. We say, you know what, Lord, it's all yours. I'm giving to you first, and I'm going to trust you. See, that's walking by faith and not by sight. We trust the Lord to work in our relationships. We trust the Lord to work in our situations that we're encountered with here on this earth. We now think about this. We exercise faith in the unseen performance of duty by others every day, do we not? You do. We exercise faith in the unseen performance of others every day. When you look forward, it, most of us now are paid electronically. We don't get a physical check. When you check your bank account, to make sure that your check has been deposited, you are assuming that it's in there, right? Have you ever met your finance person? You ever met the person that's responsible for doing all that stuff to get your money into your account? Have you ever met that person? But you have faith that they're going to do their job, right? Have you ever met the person who takes care of the electrical grid here in O'Fallon or Fairview Heights? When you, when you go home today... And I'm assuming that none of us leave our lights on all the time. 
When you go home today and you flip that switch to turn your light on, what are you expecting? You're expecting that your electricity is going to... Have you ever met that person that takes care of your electricity? You are expecting that today all of the prisoners that are, there are, that are at the Menard Correctional Facility in Illinois are not going to get loose and wreak havoc on society, right? You're expecting that. You don't wake up in the morning and go, oh man, I hope all the prisoners don't escape today. That would be crazy. If you wake up that way, please seek help. But you've never met the people that run the Menard Correctional Facility. You just have faith that they're going to do their job and you don't live your life wringing your hands about, oh man, I, oh, it's, it's, it's 10 till 12 and we're going to go home this afternoon. I hope that my power is on when I get home. You don't live that way. You have faith and you exercise faith in the unseen performance of duty by others every day. Is it really such a leap that having love for Jesus and knowing the wonders of who He is, that we would have faith in Him. This walk by faith is more sure and sturdy and steadfast than you would think. Horatius Bonner, the old preacher, wrote this. So that their faith rests on no divided evidence, and the foundation they build on is not partly strong and partly weak, partly iron and partly clay, partly rock and partly sand, but holy rock, that's W-H-O-L-L-Y, it's also H-O-L-Y, holy rock, iron, strong. Sight may change. Today bright, tomorrow dim. But God's testimony changes not. Do you see that how contrary to our logic and our reason, oh, you mean i got to walk by faith and not by sight? I want to see. It's actually preferable to walk by faith and not by sight. Because it's not a shifting faith. Today I feel great, so therefore my faith is strong. Tomorrow I'm all out of sorts and all out of kilter, and I'm having a bad day, so my faith is weak. No, our faith is sure. It is steadfast. Our faith is in Jesus' sight unseen. And then there's a third part to Peter's message. So far we've considered that our love to Jesus is sight unseen. Our faith in Jesus is sight unseen. But then lastly, this third part, notice that this love and faith produce joy unspeakable in our lives. Verse number 8. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. This is an effect of love and faith in sight unseen. This is the effect. By the way, what are we talking about now if we just harken back to our afternoon studies and getting to know the Holy Spirit? Now, so far we've talked about what? Love, faith, and now joy. Three of the nine fruit of the Spirit. That is the effect. Love and faith produce joy unspeakable. Now, there are a few items that we just briefly want to think about before we conclude the message. And it relates, of course, to this third part to living sight unseen. And that is that our love and faith produce joy unspeakable. First of all, it involves rejoicing even without speaking. Rejoicing even without speaking. Now let's examine the words in verse number 8. Peter writes, 
ye rejoice. The word rejoice literally, now hold on to your seats. It means to jump for joy. Have you ever seen a little kid, perhaps they get something that they've been waiting for, they're just jumping for joy. They don't even have to say anything. You can tell that, man, this kid's excited. This kid is rejoicing to jump for joy. Then the word joy, the word joy literally means cheerfulness, gladness, or delight. Can you not see that on people's faces? It doesn't have to be spoken. Cheerfulness, gladness, delight. So Paul, Peter, I, I apologize if I've called Peter Paul. Uh, I won't make any other comments. I was going to make some stupid jokes, but... Peter writes, ye rejoice with joy. And then note, unspeakable. Unspeakable literally means unutterable. Have you ever been in a situation where you just don't know what to say? You're just so overjoyed and overcome with, with, with joy. And, you know, you might want to jump for joy, but, you know, people think you're a little crazy. You, you, you've got that look on your face of cheerfulness, gladness, and delight. And you just can't find the right words to say. What needs to be said? This is rejoicing, even without speaking. There are some people that think that they always have to be talking. I would recommend that those people read the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs has much to say about just being quiet. There are times when nothing needs to be said. When you are basking on the work that God has done in your life, and you say clearly, man, I, I love Jesus sight unseen. I have faith in Jesus, sight unseen. You know what that's going to produce in your life? Joy unspeakable. It's the peace that passeth all understanding. We're going to look at this verse, Lord willing, on Wednesday night, so I'm just going to read it to you. But Ephesians 5, verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This is the effect of love to Christ, sight unseen. And faith in Christ, sight unseen. It involves rejoicing even without speaking. It leads to reverencing the sovereign Savior. Because the last part of verse number 8 says, And full of glory. I love that song, Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory. I love to sing that song. And here... The, the three words in our English Bible is full of glory. Full of glory literally means, it, it's the Greek word doxazo. D-O-X-A-Z-O. We get our word dox, doxology from that. We, re, we sang the doxology not too long. A couple weeks ago, Brother Steve had us sing the doxology. It's about praise. Is it not? The words full of glory, the Greek word doxazo means to render glorious full of praise to extol, magnify, or celebrate. So I think, that we, I think that we have to expand our thought of what it means to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I don't necessarily think that this full of glory is directed towards us. It's directed outward towards God. And so much of our worship today in, in, in so-called churches is man-directed. We have to have a song service and a music service that is, that is going to pacify man. Worship is God-directed. The fact that our love to Christ and our faith in Christ, sight unseen, does not produce some kind of bravado in the saint's life. 
we are giddy, man. We're jumping for joy because of Christ, whom having not seen we love, and though we don't see Him now, we trust in Him. And it produces in us a joy unspeakable that comes inward and bounces outward and upward towards God. We praise and magnify God. Our rejoicing and joy leads directly to praise and honor to and for Him. There's a reverence for the Sovereign Savior. And then lastly, and we'll be done, this love and faith produces joy unspeakable in that it causes us to remain steadfast. It causes us to remain steadfast. That in the trials of life, when everything seems to be going against us, we are not turncoats and traditors and traitors. We are loyal to our sovereign king. James wrote, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Well, how can I have joy when I'm being persecuted and I'm undergoing trials and tribulations? Well, it doesn't mean that you have to run around and act like an idiot. But it means that you know whom you have trusted and in whom you have believed. You don't see Him. You can't reach out and touch Him. But you love Him and you know He's there. And He'll always be there. He doesn't leave us nor forsake us. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Let's look to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 to understand how I'm tying this together before we conclude. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse number uh, 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And here it is in verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I think Paul is trying to get across to the Corinthians that it's the sight unseen that is the most important. And if we are keeping that in mind, the trials and the afflictions that are but for a moment will dissipate. Now, the trial might not actually dissipate, but our grief and and sorrow in that adversity will dissipate. Because we remember that these are the temporal things. What, What... What in verse number 18 carries a much more significant weight? The things which are not seen. Sight unseen. J. Hubbard, another old preacher, wrote, True love to Christ is a judicious and rational affection. Though Christians love an unseen, they do not love an unknown Savior. (laughs) We don't see Him, but we know Him. As he is revealed in the word, when God says that Jesus is described in a certain way, mark it down, that's who Jesus is. And he loves his sheep. He gave his life for his sheep. No man can pluck us out of the Father's hand. We are protected by the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Peter endorses three parts to living sight unseen in verse number 8. 
Our love to Jesus is sight unseen. Our faith in Jesus is sight unseen. And this love and faith produce in us joy unspeakable. I pray that God would speak to our hearts today and allow us to examine our own lives and see how our love and our faith towards the Lord is and how our joy is progressing. Let's pray.